0: For our scripture reading, we turn to First Timothy chapter 6. There's a number of passages on the relationship between servants and masters. We make application there to the employer-employee relationship and how we work in the, in the workplace. Um, we read a passage that speaks of that in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We'll read the first 16 verses. But as many servants as are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed, And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, He's proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Then we turn to a few verses in the parallel in Colossians 3. We read just five verses there in Colossians 3, the last four verses of Colossians 3, and the first verse of Colossians 4. Colossians 3, starting at verse 22. Colossians 3, starting at verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ, that he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. And then we turn to. The text, which is found in Ephesians chapter 6. We read just verses 5 through 9, which are the text this evening. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 5. There we read, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ not with eye service as men pleasers but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is their respect of persons with him. So far we read from the Holy and Inspired Scriptures. Dearly beloved and our Lord Jesus Christ, these passages speak to us in the specific text that we look at tonight, speaks to us about the importance of us going to work And working well either whether we're in the workplace outside of the home or whether we are working faithfully with children in the home or whether our workplace happens to be at home. Sometimes men are working at home, and of late that has become more common. But what we're doing is our work during the day. That we are to labor diligently, as those who are serving Christ. That is, that is stressed. And perhaps that's, you know, not, well certainly it's not the, the case that it's, it's on our mind as often as it should be. It is something we remember, it is something that we think about. And this text points us to the importance of us keeping that in mind, that we are serving Christ. We perhaps say we have an employer, we may think of what is where our mind is on what he or she wants us to do, what we are called to do, what our task is to perform, and we're to be busy doing the work that we are called to do. There may be times when we feel like our work isn't really noticed the way we would like it to be. Perhaps we don't get paid what we think we ought to get paid. There may be a number of difficulties that we face in the work and in the workplace, the kind of environment that we may live in, that we may work in. There may be different, very difficulties that we face. And when we think of work, and we think of all those aspects yet also we're to keep in mind that we are serving Christ and that he's the one who owns us you see how that's brought out here when it's talking about like masters and slaves that we are servants of Christ He set us free from bondage. We're His. We belong to Him. And though it may be that for some servants they would say this is my master and the providence of God I am to serve this master. Or for another of us we may say this at the current time this is my employer and I am to serve that employer. Yet I know that Christ is my, is my master. He's my Lord. And I am to serve him and to have my mind on that, that not simply is my boss watching, but that my mind is on, I'm serving Christ. And I delight to serve Christ who died for me, who set me free. This also goes well in God's providence at the time of graduation. Right now we have a time of the graduation for the grade school, and the grade school that for the eighth graders, and they look forward to going on to the high school, Very thankful that our schools continue into the high school, not only in this area, but in other areas as well. There's a number of our, uh, the saints in different areas in our churches have gotten high schools going as well. Very, very thankful for that, that when our children move from eighth grade to high school, for many of them, they are still going to one of our schools. But then also when we get to the the end of our our schools, of our high school, and go out into the workplace. If that's the case, I mean, there are those that uh, quickly are married. There are women that are married relatively quickly and laboring in the home, uh, rearing children. Uh, And yet there are many that go off quickly, and many go out to school and study for some occupation that they hope to have. And they're to be diligent in their preparation for that work. And for in some cases, that education may go on for some time. And yet, whatever the situation may be for us as to what line of work we go into, what line of work we want to pursue, we are to go forth as those who are servants of our Lord. And secondly, these passages bring out also the fact that we are to keep in mind that there are others watching us. Others see us in the workplace, and our desire is that God's name be praised. It is interesting to see that when the subject of the workplace is brought up, that subject is mentioned. Giving the occasion for others to blaspheme or adorning the doctrine of God our Savior. Both negatively and positively, there is a reference to that idea. In 1 Timothy 6, which we read, it says that servants are to count their masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. That God's name, that his doctrine be not blasphemed. That is to be kept in mind. Servants are to be honoring their masters that God's name not be blasphemed. In Titus 2 it says servants are to be obedient unto their masters and then in verse 10 not purloining or not to be stealing but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. We take note of that. Those are two passages. We often look at parallels, and we see how that brings up that when we talk about the workplace, and when we talk to our children about going out into the workplace, that's a subject to mention. That our desire, our desire is that others would see us and recognize the difference between us and those who are of this this world. (coughs) And it would be evident that we're serving Christ. So not simply that we remember we're, we're serving Christ, but that that be seen. Others can see that. See what our motivation is for working and how it differs from the motivation of those of this world. Why do we work hard? We have to ask those of this world that, you know, why do you work so hard if they're seeming to be working diligently? Why? For what reason? What's our motivation? It's good for us to be showing what our motivation is and showing that we honor those in authority over us, which is so different from what is characteristic in our own day, and that we are submissive, and that we are laboring to the honor of our God, and that we delight and desire to glorify his name. And for others to see and be interested in, see our life, ask us a reason concerning the hope that is within us, and that we be able to talk to them about the doctrine that we confess, which we talked about this morning. We consider this passage under the theme Serving Christ in the Workplace. We consider, first of all, the master employer Secondly, the servant-employee, and thirdly, the, the solid comfort. We understand the difference between a, a servant and an, an employee, where if a servant was somebody who owned a, a servant, as there were those who had various servants, and t- the situation today with an employee where one willingly works for wages, and may decide at any time that they don't want to work for this person anymore and move somewhere else. Although we typically have that one would let their employer know and not just quit immediately, but that they would give them a certain amount of time telling them that they're decided that they really like to work somewhere else and that they talk about when that time period will come and so on, but that somebody works willingly for wages and then of course there's a difference between that and and the servant relationship when one speaks of a master and a and a servant there are those when the gospel was going forth to the nations that were in that position of being servants servants be obedient to your masters according to the flesh the word translated masters has the idea of lords To be obedient unto your lords according to the flesh. And there's other references in 1 Corinthians 7. References to those that are called being a a servant. And 1 Timothy 6 spoke about those that were servants. (coughs) And the book of Philemon is written to somebody who had a servant run away, and he was sent back to Philemon. So it was still the case, and as the gospel is going forth, that there are some that remained in that position, in the providence of God, where they were servants. They were to serve faithfully and to honor their masters, and remember that it's in the providence of God that they were in that position and that Christ had set them free when we talk about the whole subject of being servants and masters and what we often refer to as slavery it is good to bring out the fact that certainly it is sinful the stealing of people and the forcing of them into positions of, of slavery. And that is specifically referred to in 1 Timothy 1 when it speaks of those in 1 Timothy 1 verse 10 Right in the same context when it talks about whoremongers it's, and liars and perjured persons. In First Timothy 1 verse 10, uh, it says, it speaks of whoremongers for them that defiled themselves with mankind for men stealers, men stealers. When it's going through a list and listing a number of different sins, both in verse nine and verse ten, it speaks of some as being men stealers, stealing people, and putting them in a position of being slaves. That the scriptures do speak against against that. And certainly the abusing of people in a position of a servant relationship. And the scriptures explicitly in the passages that we're looking at do speak against that. But we take note here that when the Bible speaks to those who were in a position of being servants in the providence of God, it does comfort them with the truth that in Christ they are free. Hey, though it is the case in the providence of the God that you may be a servant, the word of God was to them to remember that in Christ you're free. That Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, and the Spirit has quickened us and set us free. Now if somebody was saying, "What does that mean? You're free?" You think of a servant explaining to somebody, well, I'm free in Christ. What does that mean you're free? You look like you're just as much in bondage as I am. What do you mean that you're free? Well, free from the bondage of sin, what does that mean? We talk about what happens to the will of a person. When the Spirit of God works in a person, when they are regenerated, And we've looked at that a number of times. That man by nature is dead and is in bondage to sin. His will is dead. And God quickens him. And then he's freed from that bondage. Still have a sinful nature, and we always have to explain that too. Say, what do you mean, you don't sin anymore? Well, I still have the old man. I still have an old man that's depraved but I have a new heart and I do delight to serve God I really do we've been set free and one day the full realization of the freedom and someday it'll be the case in, in body and soul that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and we will dwell with our Lord forever we are free in Christ, and we are to labor, whether we are an employer or whether we're an employee, now I'm going to be talking more especially from that point of view of the employer and the employee, that we are to be laboring as those who belong to Christ, not only the employee, but also the employer. Those who were the masters were called masters or lords according to the flesh. And there's a specific limitation there, according to the flesh. So they had authority in a certain sphere, we would say. We understand that in in employment too, that employers have authority in a certain sphere, that there's a certain sphere in which they can tell us what to do with regard to our job. And during the time that we're working for them, as they've got places that they want us to go and they've got work they want us to engage in that's related to the the work we're called to do, that in that certain sphere that we we are to obey them. And the employers are to keep in mind what that sphere is. Certainly is not the case that an employer is to be putting pressure on his employees saying, you know, if you want to advance, you must do things that I say that are outside that sphere of employment. Say even you could have a person that was trying to persuade somebody to join a certain church say, if you're going to keep working for me, you know try to put pressure on them so that it's going to be a financial loss to their employees if they don't do what he says, what he tells them they're you know, they are to be. They have a certain sphere in which they do have authority and they are to be, as long as we're willingly agreed to work for them, we're to do what they say. But when they start to do something of that nature, and of course there's a big difference between the fact that all of us, whether we're employers or employees, we may be, we are called to bear witness to the truth as to what the truth is. As we have opportunity in the workplace, we're to be busy at the work that we're engaged in. But as we have opportunity, we talk about spiritual things. We may talk about, may talk to somebody about where we're a member and why we're a member where we are a member, and what our churches hold to, and what other churches hold to, and so on. But it's another thing if somebody, especially if somebody's trying to lead somebody in the wrong direction and putting pressure on them, making it, taking advantage of that, that employer-employee relationship and putting pressure on someone. The master the, you know, or the employer is to treat the employees well. That is one thing that is brought out. The importance that they treat them. You think of how Jesus said to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, that that would also apply to dealings between employers and employees too. Giving them what's just and equal. That's the phrase in Colossians 4. Which means somebody that's an employer is to keep that in mind giving them what is just and equal. That's the phrase. Ephesians 5, verse 9 says, forbearing, threatening. Not be trying to get people to do things out of fear and, you know, and threatening them. Forbearing, forbearing, threatening. Treating them well. And then it says, remember... You also have a master. So it directs It directs also the one in the position of authority to the fact that he is under authority. You also have a master to whom you must give an account. And that we are, and that The ones that are working for us we must remember that God is no respecter of persons. Take note of how there's a reference to that in Ephesians 6 verse 9. Neither is there respect of persons with him. That phrase is found in a number of places where we tend to look at certain external things about a person and view a certain person higher and certain person lower and that that's what what men often do. They view this person as being more important for various reasons. They view his status to be more important. Other people they view to be of less importance. Sometimes, even to the point where they say about certain people, you know, they're not even really human beings. And when they're blatantly mistreating them, or even killing people. Sometimes they'll say, well, they're, they're not really human. We are to remember that God is no respecter of persons. And that he has died, he's, Christ has laid down his life for his sheep, some of whom were in positions of a, of a, of a slave, a servant others that were in positions of being masters he's not a respecter of persons remember what God said when he says that man looks at the outward appearance and God looks at the looks at the heart those who are rich in 1st Timothy 6 are told to be rich in good works and that was a verse in 1 Timothy six, that uh, that was we didn't read that far. That they that good, uh, it says that they do good regarding the rich. That they do good. That they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate to communicate. All right, then, so in the in that position in that position of a a master or of an employer, the importance of serving the Lord faithfully as the Lord's servant. And as those who are an, an employee, somebody who is working for someone else, that we are also to be faithfully serving our Lord. And the Bible mentions things that were not we're not to be doing. We often talk about how we're not to go on strike. Many people go on strike. They disagree with their how much they're getting paid or whatever their benefits are, that they'll, they'll go on strike and try and work together and say, hey, if, if all of us you know, decide we're not going to work, that's going to force the employer to, uh, to do what we want and join various unions and so on. And we say that that's not, what scripture says the scriptures bring out and there's these different passages that bring out that those as the servant was to be obedient to the master so the employee is to be obedient and it's not to try to enforce the employer an employee may decide well I think I'm going to stop working here and work somewhere else and it could be that someone else is going to pay you better and decide well I'm or have better benefits and decide right? I'm going to talk with my employer about the fact that I desire, desire to work over here and something is arranged but that's different than trying to force them working together to try to force them to do something so we speak against that whole idea of going on the going on strike and also we bring out that they certainly can't demand of us to do what's unlawful and we're not to do what's unlawful if that's required of us. And a good example of that would be if our employer was to tell us to lie. If somebody asks you about that, tell them this. The one to say, "Well, I can't. I can't say that. That isn't true. I, ha- I have to say what the truth is. I can't tell them something that's not true." But also it's not to be the case that in the workplace that it be a place where there's filthy language being used, you know, jokes, filthy jokes that are being told and people mocking and mistreating one another. There are workplaces that if somebody was to work in such a place and hear and and the music and the the language that is being used that one would quickly say I don't really want to work in this location and there are places like that where many of the ones that are there wouldn't confess that they belong to Christ they wouldn't say that they serve Christ but then there are those other places where somebody may say, say they say they belong to Christ, yet those kind of things go on. That ought not to be. It ought not to be the case that you can go to a workplace, say workplace where there's a number of people from our churches working there, perhaps quite a few of them, And to find those people involved in that kind of an activity, that you hear the language that's being used there and the way people are treating one another, that brings up what's mentioned about the name of God and his doctrine being blasphemed. That, uh uh-oh, these people are Christians. Hear the things they talk about? They talk about the things they're engaged in and the kind of practices. These are Christians? It ought not to be the case that those kind of things go on. Anybody that, any place where someone is carrying on like that in the workplace must repent of that and turn from that sin. It should be the case that when others look on, they see that when others talk in ways they ought not, that we don't join with them. It should be the case that they see we don't join with them, we don't laugh with them. When they talk about what they're doing on the weekends, what they plan to do or what they recently did, that we speak about something very different about what we do on weekends than what they do or that when they talk about this person that they're living with or that person they're living with or male and male relationships or female and female or whatever you get exposed to these different things that are going on that others would, would know what are that we hold to what the scriptures say on these things and that we really love if we're married, that they say this man loves his spouse. He's not like the so many men that will talk badly about their, their wife. But this man shows he loves his wife. And if they ever see his wife stop by and the way he treats her, they take note of how he treats his wife. <coughs> that he shows he, that, he, that he honors her. And they see that to be quite different, quite different from what's typical in the world. And that they also see that worship is something, going to worship, gathering for worship is something we delight to do. We cheerfully delight to do that. And somebody says, you know, you go, you go twice every Sunday. Why, why do you do that? Well, we only go Once. I say well we well, we like to we delight to gather for worship. Really? I say yes, they really do. We delight to worship God together, to commune together, and encourage one another, that we delight to do that. What would others say of you personally? If If you are out in the workplace, if others would be asked about you and what they, how they view you in the workplace, what would they say? What would they say of us? What would they take note of regarding us? call to examine ourselves good question what would they say of me what would they say of of you in the workplace how we work how we deal with others what would they say about me as an employer see if i was an employer say then i'm good good for me to ask myself that question what would others say what my employees say about me as an employer Or if I'm an employee, what would my employer say about me as an employee? We're to be honoring them. We're to be doing what they say. And so in their sphere, we're also to be honoring them. As opposed to somebody that will talk nicely to the one in authority over them right when they're around but then as soon as they're gone behind their back they'll make fun of them and speak against them and so on but they just do it when when they're being watched or when they're directly face to face with somebody well when we're really honoring someone well that is to that's to show itself even when they're not around Again, not looking at it from the viewpoint of is my boss looking so that I'm busy working when they're working and I talk nicely to them when I'm talking to them and then as soon as they're not around, not only am I not talking as nicely to others about them, but I also am not working nearly as diligently when they're not around. I have different speeds that I work at and different diligent levels depending on who's watching at the moment. says we are to labor with fear and trembling as unto Christ. Verse 5 In singleness of your heart, genuinely without hypocrisy as those who really are serving Christ. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. As to the Lord, and not to men, that is to be the way we're to be working. Working honestly, not stealing, but working honestly. Showing our delight to glorify our God and to labor as those who are his servants. Now, God comforts his servants. He comforts his servants who labor as those who are laboring in his service. We see that there's a reference to that. Whether one be bond or free. So in addition to bringing out You serve Christ and to labor as those who serve Christ, it also speaks of the fact that the one who serves, the one whom we serve, has set us free, and the one whom we serve rewards us. He rewards us. It may be the case that. Our work is hardly noticed you know some of us may have a job where there's we frequently receive praise for our work there may be others of us that we feel like I don't even know if anybody really notices all too much what work I do and rarely hear much of appreciation they may talk about adding to different things they want me to do, and they, they may criticize when they want me to do something differently. But as far as words of of appreciation, you know, I don't don't really hear that much. I don't know if it's even noticed that much. And then as far as what I get paid, there's some that may say, well, they're paid quite well. Another person may say that they're not paid that well, and it and it's they know others that seem to be paid a lot better than they are and people will add more work to what they're supposed to do and they're not going to give them more pay and so from a certain point of view, from a financial point of view it may be quite difficult for them God directs us to the fact that the one we serve is Christ and he rewards us notice that it says knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the lord whether he be bond or free whether he be bond or free and we reckon we know that in colossians 3 we read In verse 24, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward. The reward of the inheritance. It's an inheritance. You don't deserve it. You you didn't earn it. It isn't that we're rewarded on the basis of our works. We're rewarded according to works, but not on the basis of works. It's a gift. It's a gracious, gracious reward. An inheritance which directs us to the fact that our Lord died the Lord whom we serve died he died for us that we might have this inheritance he's the one that we're serving he's the one that rewards graciously rewards us. That's a comfort that we have as we labor. That our mind is to be on what our Lord does, what our Lord is doing, and what our Lord has promised. We are to keep our mind on our only comfort And we see how the truth concerning what our only comfort is applies to this verse. That you all know what our only comfort is. Your children know what our comfort is. You learn it quite young. That we belong to Christ. Well, that's what this text is talking about when we're working in the workplace or, and there's an application to when you're working in our schools now, right now the school year is coming to an end but also there's application to the things that go on in the time of summer recess and as you children learn to work as you grow older and different when you have different jobs Sometimes you start off with different jobs that people give you to do to remember you belong to Christ. And in the work you're engaged in, you're to labor as those who are in his service, serving the Lord who's redeemed you. With joy, we say that's a comfort. Belonging to Christ is a comfort. It's our only comfort. Not only in death, it is our comfort in death. It is something we confess as we get closer to the day that we die. That we're so thankful we're not our own, that we belong to Christ. And we hear God's people confess that as they get closer to the day that they go to glory. But also throughout our life we confess that. We belong to him. And when we go to the workplace, we work as those that belong to him. And if we're laboring in home, and it's so important that the mothers be in the home. And that the mothers labor in the home with the children as the scriptures speak of the importance of the mothers being at home with the children, rearing the children. And what an important work that is. Women using their gifts, laboring in the home, caring for the children. The children of the church. But as we're laboring in the home and as we're laboring in the workplace, as we're working in our schools, we labor as those that belong to Christ, and our desire, hallowed be thy name. That's our desire. The first petition of the Lord's Prayer. We start off with that, that our whole life might be ordered, that his name might not be blasphemed, but honored and praised. That's our desire. may we by the grace of god remember that as we go about our work and may we encourage one another and may we in our work be diligently working laboring as to the lord and not unto men knowing that we serve our lord christ amen let us pray O Lord, our God and our Father in heaven, we are very thankful for thy grace. We are so thankful that we are thy servants, that we belong to our Lord. Grant us grace to glorify thee, O Lord, in our work. We know that in many ways we haven't done that as we ought. We ask that thou would forgive us. We are so thankful thou dost forgive us. Lord, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And as we go through these different exhortations, as we've been going through them, what thou dost call us to do in the home and in the workplace, we do see our own sinfulness, and we ask for forgiveness. We also know, Lord, and do confess that we do delight to serve thee, and we are thankful for the grace that we do receive and the comfort that we have Of knowing that we'll receive the inheritance, and indeed that it already now that we have everlasting life in Christ. May we labor as those who are delighting to show our love and our thankfulness to Thee. Grant that to us. Grant that to our children and our grandchildren. Lord, may we, together in our generations, encourage one another in these last days, walking with thee, our Lord and our God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen.